The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry McCarthy. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 This week's guests include... Ashton Hockey Club player Kate Harvey ahead of the Cork side's Irish Hockey Trophy semi-final appearance in Donegal. A new season of the SSE Airtricity Women's National League begins shortly, so I caught up with her sport.ie reporter Alana Conan to preview the new campaign. Cork Basketball Club Singleton Super Value Brunel are on a hot streak in the misquote.ie Women's Super League. We'll hear from coach Timmy O'Halloran and find out what lies in store in the coming weeks. Cork senior manager Shane Ronane and vice captain Melissa Duggan join me to look back at the National League defeat to Mead and preview this weekend's big game in Dublin at Croke Park. Cork Camogie senior manager Matthew Toomey previews their National League opener with Clare and we'll also hear from the minor manager Jerry Wallace, captain Orla Mullins and two-goal hero Orla Cahillan following their All-Ireland Championship win over Dublin. There's our weekly chat with AFL expert and Aussie rules coach Mike Curran and Munster Women Rugby's chairperson Wendy Keane on another, on another hectic week for AFLW and women's rugby. That's all to come on the Women in Sport podcast. Ashton Hockey Club travelled to Raffo in Donegal for this weekend's Irish Hockey Trophy semi-final. I caught up with one of the Cork Hockey Club stalwarts, Kate Harvey, to look ahead to that game and find out why Ashton are going from strength to strength. Now, we are joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by Ashton Hockey Club's Kate Harvey, who is part of her team's uh, they're on a fantastic run at the moment, not just in the uh, top of the Munster Division table or near the top of the table, but they're also um, on a quest to reach their first ever Irish Hockey Trophy final. So these are good times for Ashton and it's, uh, it's great to talk to you, Kate. You're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much, sir. Um, let's just talk about that. The Irish Hockey Trophy is a pretty prestigious competition. It's not an easy thing to win. And you've reached the semi-finals. Uh, you must be, first of all, the club must be delighted with that kind of progress. But you face a bit of a journey uh, this weekend. Absolutely. I yeah, know we were, we were delighted to make it to the semi-finals. It was definitely a competition that we kind of pinpointed at the start of the year and, and one that we wanted to target. Um, so we're really thrilled to have kind of got this far. Not so thrilled about having to make the journey up north. Um, I think it was the the furthest kind of draw that we could have got in the competition. Um, but should up, we'll we'll head up now and and see kind of what happens on Saturday. Um, just looking at the forecast, say that the coast of snow, I think a nice days away. Um, but you know, definitely one that we're looking to target. Target, and you know, we we'd be confident going into it certainly but um, we don't really know too much about Rafo so we've never played them before um, and you know we'll just have to kind of see how it goes and, and go in with no expectations of what they're going to be like and, and just really try to, to drive it on ourselves um, but yeah though, we'd, be, we'd be confident but, um, but we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, as you said, when you're going into the unknown, it's up to Donegal, it's Rafo, but it's a semi-final. And I suppose the key thing for Ashton, things have been going quite well for you this year, Kate, at, at adult level. You seem to be tipping along very nicely in the mix for, for a potential playoff at the end of the season in the Munster Hockey League. But this is kind of, has this been bonus territory? You said that you kind of targeted the hockey trophy as something that you might aim for. But have you reserved your, it seems like you reserved some of your best performances for this tournament. Definitely, yeah. I think the Cup has brought out kind of the best in us. Um, we've been kind of unfortunate in, in ways in the league. We've had a few nearly wins kind of against the, the two top teams um, at the moment. We've lost out on a goal um, by a goal on, I think, three occasions kind of with the top two teams. And we have one more kind of top 
uh, three kind of clash now towards the end of the season that we'll be hopefully looking for kind of a, a more positive outcome from that. Um, so I think then when, you know, those results didn't really go our way this year, we definitely turned to the, the trophy and kind of saw it as an opportunity to, to bring kind of some silverware back to the club. We've never got this far um, on the ladies' side with the trophy and, you know, some other Munster teams have had some great success with the tournament um, in the last few years. So we're just kind of hoping to, to follow in their footsteps and, and bring it back to Munster. Yeah, and this is a strong adult setup you have in Ashton. I've, I'm looking at some of the names on the team sheets and some of the names, experienced players like yourself, Emily O'Leary, Cleana Murphy, um, and then that's that's added to by the likes of Robin Murphy and Alex Kenny. They're two players that have cropped up a lot in the, some of the interviews that I've done uh, with Munster and Irish Hockey in recent weeks and months. And it's a good sign when Ashton are producing players of Robin and Alex's quality. A hundred percent. Yeah, we, we were very lucky this year to a bring in um, a few new players from different clubs. So it's Emily O'Leary's first year with Ashton and she has kind of experience of winning an Irish Senior Cup behind her. Um, and you mentioned Cleana Murphy there as well, another like hugely influence, influential player in the club. She, she brings a wealth of experience. Um, and then definitely the younger players um, are huge, you know, on our, on our setup. Robin um, and Alex are, have both come up kind of through the ranks at Munster and Irish levels. Um, their skills and determination just bring a whole new level on the pitch and it's brilliant to play with them. Um, I think we all love, you know, when we get a chance to play with them, they bring another energy on the pitch. So it's, it's brilliant. Um, and they're huge talent in the, the club that we definitely want to retain. Um, but yeah, they're they're brilliant to have on the team um, and you know it's, it's a lovely group it's a nice mix of that experience and younger players as well and I think that's something that Ashton has always been kind of very proud of you know we like having the tradition of bringing up these younger players kind of maybe they might go to college they might go elsewhere but then you know always kind of coming back um, and it's something that we definitely try to maintain within the club um, but yeah, Robin and Alex are, are super and, and we have a, a whole, like a few other of the schoolgirls as well that, you know, we depend on so much. It's definitely not just aimed kind of one or two players. It's, it's definitely a, a team effort um, and we kind of pride ourselves on that. Yes, and very well said. And you've mentioned there just the structures with Ashton and the fact that you brought a lot of players in. But I've seen as well um, over the past, oh God, must be two years now, the explosion of interest. And it's, it's becoming a bit of a cliche to say that. But in, in Munster hockey, definitely, there are more and more young girls taking up the sport than ever before. Have you seen that yourself from Ashton's point of view? And do you put a lot of that interest down to the fact that the Irish international women's hockey team have become so, I suppose, through the media, have become more accessible, have become more mainstream? And has that had an effect at, at grassroots level? Oh, 100%. And I think, as you mentioned, the social media aspect, you know, um, a lot of younger players now have way more access to watching hockey, you know, to seeing how it's meant to be played. I mean, I think I always compare it to, you know, you see young boys watching soccer, you know, there's soccer on every day of the week, and that was never really there for hockey before, whereas now there's way more access to it. Um, I was fortunate myself to kind of be involved in the underage section in Ashton when it was kind of started by um, Jean and Anna Casey, etc. There's kind of a, a few other names probably I should mention. Um, and I remember going down and there was, probably about a group of 
of 20 of us. I could barely hold a hockey stick, I'd say, at the time. And, you know, it was a mix of boys and girls and kind of whoever went down on a Sunday morning. And now looking at the underage section, it's it's massive. Um, I myself am helping out with an under-14 team at the moment. And that's just one of three under-14 teams. Um, I think there's waiting lists for most of the, the hockey clubs for the underage sections at the moment, which... I'd say 10 years ago would have been unheard of um, and definitely it's great then for people to be able to see you know especially like the likes of the Munster players the Roshan Uptons Naomi Carroll's you know there's loads of them there now um, I won't mention any names but we did play Catholic Institute ourselves a couple of weeks ago and obviously you have Roshan Upton and Naomi Carroll playing on the day we were unfortunate enough to draw them in the Munster Senior Cup um, first round but one or two of our younger players were definitely even interested in getting autographs. <laughs> I don't think they were when we lost to them afterwards. But, um, you know, I think being able to see them and, and what they've achieved and accomplished has definitely been huge for the sport. You're based in Ballon Temple. How important is your hockey club to your local community? I think it's it's just great to have the amenities, I suppose, available to people like that, um, especially when it's on such a public road. You know, a lot of people can kind of come and watch the matches um, and, you know, that kind of really boosts support for the matches as well. You might be passing and you might see that there'd be something on in the pitch and you're much more likely to, to go in and, and watch rather than, you know, if it's kind of in a more isolated area. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of great that, we do have the support and, and we're very lucky that everyone is really involved in the club and much more likely to kind of go and watch other people's matches and, and support everyone in the club. Yeah, that's a very good uh, assessment of where you're located and why it's so important to have clubs like yours, um, Ashton, in and around those areas because you're attracting more and more kids all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Look, it's uh, it's uh, we wish you well this weekend, travelling up to Donegal in what might be snowy weather, let's hope not, but to reach an Irish Hockey Trophy semi-final is a fantastic achievement for Ashton um, and, a, and a fantastic achievement, I think, as well, considering the, the number of players and the number of young players um, that have been coming through um, and along with players like yourself Kate that have been there for so long and been involved with the club it's fantastic to see Ashton progressing and doing so well everybody on the Big Red Bench wishes you all the best in this weekend's Irish Hockey Trophy semi-final against Rathno up in Donegal and who knows if you win and get through we might be talking to you again in the next couple of weeks Absolutely thanks very much sir. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. A new season of SSE Airtricity Women's National League Soccer commences on Saturday, March the 5th. I interviewed Hersport.ie's Alana Conan to preview the new season and ask about Cork City seniors and Cove Ramblers youth prospects. Now on the big red bench ahead of the return, it's only a month away of the Women's National Soccer League uh, here in Ireland. Um, big news on the media front, big launch last week. We're delighted to be joined by Hersport.ie's LGFA and Women's National League uh, expert, not just enthusiast, and also a DCU journalism final year student from Sligo, Alana Conan. Alana, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Thanks, William, for having me. That's great, President. I'll see if I have to live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> you're grand. Um, easy place to start. The Women's League of Ireland is back. It's um, it's coming back. There's a huge media interest in it, media interest around the league, both at international level and club level, is growing all the time. Um, you were at the official media launch last week. What, um, just from your vantage point and having followed it and reported on it, ha- the media coverage is increasing all the time. But this coming year, this league and the season coming up, looks like it's going to be one of the most exciting ever. Is that true or is that fair? 
absolutely, Jerry. That's definitely a fair statement. I mean, as exaggerated as it may sound, I think there's definitely stories in every corner of the league from the new edition of Sligo Rovers. They're the 10th team this year. Um, and that's never been done before. So we've also have that. You have the renewed tension between Shells and P-Mount after the dramatics of the final day of the last season. Um, you have like lots of different things. DLR and Galway trying to break into the top three and then um, everybody else looking to compete too. So yeah, no doubt a lot to live up to after the dramatics, as we say, of last year's finale. But everyone will be looking to impress in front of the surged audience that you touched on there. There's a lot of new attention to the league. And I think they'll all revel in it, to be honest. I think it's been a long time coming. How big is it for Sligo to have a women's team at the top tier? It's absolutely massive. And I think even extending on from that, even for the Northwest, because there's a real gap there. I know, like, you've Galway and um, Athlone. But then in the Northwest at all, there wasn't really, there hasn't been a team for a good few years. In, in that capacity. So it's brilliant to um, give everyone around this part of the country something to aspire to and um, that they don't really have to travel too far and that there's the local heroes right outside their doorstep that they can um, try and look up to and emulate, I guess. Yeah, and you mentioned as well being at the media launch, not just with the Northwest but down south here as well with Cork City with Cove Ramblers now coming in with the youth team at under-17 level. The media coverage is increasing all the time. Her sport already has been a big a supporter of that since uh, since it went live. But TG Cahar's live coverage of nine games this year, it's it's a huge boost again to get these games. And I, I say that, Alana, not to kind of hype it, but because you've got Munster Women's Rugby, you've got GAA, you've mm-hmm. got LGFA. You know, the Women's uh, League of Ireland, getting nine live matches is actually a very, very important uh, thing. Not just a big deal, but it's important for the promotion of the game. Oh, imperative. Especially as you say, like I mean, I think TG Cahir has to be commended in that regard because they do sensational work for the women's game. I mean, they've put that phrase, uh, can't be, can't be, to bed because although it might have been wrecking people's heads at this stage, I mean, it's slightly changing um, because it's not even in that in that regard anymore. It's can't be, can be, uh, not the negative version, I guess. So, yeah, whether your heroes are Pearl's batteries. Karen Dunn and then Kylie Murphy in the Women's National League or let's say, I don't know, Leona Maguire in the golf or Rashida Adeleke in the athletics or Vicky Dahl in football or anyone. Bruce Stack in the AFLW. The way things lie at the minute, you could genuinely pick any sport and there's a female athlete of world-class calibre in there. So, And it's on merit and not token either. So as you say, I think TG Cahar are doing Trojan work there and the media coverage of all, all women's sports it's just, um, it's great to see. And uh, especially, as you say, at the launch the other day in the Women's National League, there was a real feeling of that um, women's football in the country was kind of come of, coming of age and that the next few years are going to be crucial to um, the future of it. So, yeah, hopefully we get to see that. And, um, yeah, I think even Cork City last year, the record crowds they were getting in Turner's Cross, if they can keep that up and reflect that across the league, we'd be in business. <laughs> Certainly, what you just reminded me to stop using that can't see, can't be tag. So thanks for that. That's a huge because I keep using it <laughs> a lot of my tweets. Um, how important, Alana, as somebody that's close to the league like yourself, how important is the women's national teams, the international uh, Vera Paws teams, improved results, performances, and coverage to the domestic game? Yeah, I think it can't be underestimated their impact because um, 
Like, they've had great results as of late. You know, they had that 11-0 against Georgia before Christmas there, which is brilliant. But what's more important now is maybe it wouldn't be on those big scorelines, but they're consistent and putting it up to some of the biggest teams in the world. So, you know, um, around September time there, they took on Sweden, Australia, all these kind of teams. And while, okay, the Sweden results didn't go your way, we uh, put, put Australia in their box, I guess, at home. And, like, a lot, a lot of teams couldn't say the same. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely a, a path that they're paved in there. Um, but I think a lot of it comes down to the passion of the players, too. Like, you've, um, like, such, such talent in there with Katie McCabe, like, Louise Quinn, Nee Fahey, you could name out a lot of them, but they're not accepting anything less than equality now. So long may, may it uh, continue as they inspire the next generation to look for the same. A mere uh, six points separated the top three last year. Shells and Piemont on that famous last day of the season, as you mentioned, and Wexford Utes. Yeah. How do you see, even, I know it's very early to ask this question, but we're getting, it's only a month away, we're getting excited about the return of the Women's National League for 2022. Will it be Wexford Utes, Piemont and Shells again, or might we see DLR or even Galway make a run at it? Yeah, I think there is a real chance Galway and DLR um, will push in their bowls maybe too, but DLR especially have spent enough in the window. They've got um, Lynn Craven and Sarah McEvitt, so they and they've got more too, but um, just to name a few, they've really spent enough. Um, who is going to be at the very top? That is the question. <laughs> um, as you say, it was very tight last year, so it's a tough one to call, but I have a sneaky feeling the FBS Cup winners um, Wexford Youth might kind of put it up more to Shells and Pima this year. They kind of, um, I suppose, ruined themselves out early enough when they um, lost a few results, a crucial ones. Like, but um, I've, uh, yeah, as I said, a sneaky feeling about Connie Murphy and Stephen Quinn. I think they're they have a quiet confidence in the youth setup, and they haven't won it in a few years. But I think um, they've really got something going there. And, Quinn uh, went on such a run when Tom Mellon, he's with the women's national team, he switched there in the middle of the season to them then. But uh, Quinn went on such a run at that that period in the season. And I think they're going to try and bring that into this year too. And especially with the like, mix of the youth and experience with Avon Conti and Ellen Malloy, I just think they're a classy outfit. And I think, think they'll be really putting it up to Shells and Peas this year. So I might tip them for a chance. And there's an interesting tip. I wasn't expecting that. Now, that's interesting to hear that <laughs> from, from an expert like yourself. Um, for, we mentioned just briefly there Cork City and Cove Ramblers. Cork are obviously in transition. I think that's fair to say. Bringing through a lot of young players into the first team. Um, struggled for long periods last year. Just the four wins out of 24 outings. But how important is it, Alana, for the league that Cork start to become successful? And also the arrival of Cove Ramblers uh, starting to invest in uh, women's football with the, um, with the, with the launching of an under-17 team. Yeah, it's crucial to the success of the league that we do kind of get more competitive um, in that regard with the, the likes of Cork, as you mentioned, at loan, treaty. Um, I think it, it makes for a better watch when everyone is getting really involved. And as you said, they do have those youth setups in Cove and there's lots of other teams sprinkled throughout the country in that kind of regard too. Um, now, one thing they are kind of trying to um, make consistent, I guess, is that um, those levels up through the age groups because um, teams want to be around for the long haul and not just um, a, to be a flash in the pan. So, yeah, I definitely think Cork are, as you say, a team in transition, but I think they're kind of 
and growing year on year. And um, I think if you give them another few years because they're really kind of settling into the league now, they'll probably start pushing up the table and, um, yeah, hopefully be successful. Excellent stuff. Alana Canan, we can find all your work and your reporting and your match reports and your contributions on hersport.ie and also on the podcast Final Whistle IE um, on both the Women's National League, which is returning, and also on all the women's sport. It has been a pleasure speaking to Alana and I hope we catch up as well during the season just to see how things are going in the top tier of uh, women's Irish domestic football. That'd be brilliant, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Singleton Supervalue Brunel are making a late season surge to the top of the misquote.ie Women's Basketball Super League. I spoke to head coach Tim O'Halloran about his club's upturn in form and their title prospects. Now on the Big Red Bench we are joined by Singleton Supervalue Brunel coach Tim O'Halloran as his club soar up the misquote.ie Super League standings and are in a real battle with the address UCC Glanmire and WIT Waterford Wildcats for this year's league title. Tim, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much, sir. Thanks for having me. Um, your team is on a hot streak, I think, to put it mildly. You've on a fantastic run recently of uh, very, very good wins and very, very good performances. Most recently, uh, you beat uh, St. Mary's Castle Island, 85-62, but you've also taken down DCU Mercy. Um, first of all, it's an obvious question, but you must be delighted with your players' efforts, not just in recent weeks, but throughout the season so far. Oh, yeah, since, since the one, I suppose, you can go back to, to the pre-season, I suppose. I'm even back to to COVID you know we had a tough year before but the girls stuck with it you know in the, in the pre-season and uh, it just seems to be paying dividends you now in the, in the year uh, that we're in uh, they come to training every night for three nights a week and they put in an effort and look all you can ask them to do is to do their best and it, it seems to be good enough to this point yeah, you've only got a handful of games. Like it's five games that are left in this year's league. It's a fantastic league. It's exciting. It's drawing a lot of attention. Obviously, your team want to, you and your players need to remain focused because um, do you treat every game as normal going into it, or is it really like a final five finals that you've got left? Yeah, I suppose the girls are kind of sick of me. You know, but every game that I that I say <laughs> is a huge game, you know. But every game is kind of a, a cup final, you could say at this stage. You know, uh, we we really have to go and beat if we've any chance at all of. Of catching Glamour, uh, and that's what I'm just kind of saying to the girls. You know, treat every game as as a one-off, but a once-off cup final. You know. Um, what are your strengths this year, Tim? Because um, like you look at your averages there, like your field goal average and your three points attempts, you've been really, really strong this year on that. But your defense has improved very, very much so um, as well in recent times. Is that something you've been working on specifically, or have your team just gradually improved? Off there with the top two or three best defensive teams in the league, you know. Uh, I think we still have work to do on that side of the ball, but we definitely are after improving. On the offensive side, you know, we, we just have, we done our, the recruitment this year was very good. Uh, you know, we got Quanza, uh, Murray and Shannon, Ryan, who are, who are big scorers. Uh, and then with the addition of Adele Taunt and, you know, her experience and her drive uh, and right down the bench. And like we've quality Irish players really that uh, know how to play and just generally want to be there, you know, they love the game. They love the club and uh, they're just enthusiastic every time they step on the court. Yeah, you mentioned Edel Thornton off the court. How important has she been to you? Yeah, she's been she's been excellent. You know, I suppose all the young girls, you know, kind of look up to her. Uh, herself and kind of Sinead O'Reilly would be the two kind of stalwarts, as we say, on the team. Uh, and even just their own training and you know when you're travelling on the bus and their professionalism, you know, it's just 
you know, and have have the core captain of the Irish senior women's team on your team is you know it's a big boost for the club in general and as a coach, you know, you're kind of confident going into most games. Uh, and yeah, look, the girls just really look up to the two of them really. Um, it's going to be pretty intense over the next few weeks. I mean, do you, in terms of your preparation, I mean, do you try to keep things as normal as possible and, and just do the same routine and the things that have been getting you into the position that they've, the things that you've been doing right to get into this position? Is it a case of trying to repeat those as often as possible? Yeah, I suppose. Look, uh, kind of training sessions now are kind of you know, I suppose they're kind of just relaxed. I won't say relaxed, but you know, we just kind of do the same things as you just said there. Not too much uh, going up and down only midweek because we kind of we began, as you said we the game last night. No, on a Wednesday night uh, we were up in Dublin last Sunday and we were playing at home again this Sunday. So the games are cutting, coming hot and heavy. But when you're in the mix for honours, uh, you know you just want to be playing as many games as possible. Really, when you're when you're winning, you know. But this is where you want to be, Tim, and from your experience of all your years coaching, you know, being in the mix for the title right at the end of the season just shows how this team has matured and gotten, as I said, they, keep, they seem to be improving and hitting form at the right time. Yeah, look, I, I couldn't be more proud of the girls. Uh, they probably haven't been in this position, uh, a lot of them, uh, in the past. Uh, I might be corrected on that, but look, we're, we're not kind of looking outside the box either it's going to be very hard to catch uh, Glamour they're an excellent team uh, you know they're probably looking to go up Eaton and Waterford again doing Waterford Tommy uh, has them play excellent basketball very aggressive basketball and even the team just behind us Calista or DCU you know like if you just take your eye off the ball for one week and lose a game you could be right back down to fourth or fifth you know so it's an excellent league to be honest and it's great to be a part of yeah, I was going to ask you about that. In terms of this year's and the improvement in quality, I mean, there's a lot more exposure now in TG Cahar with the National Cup weekend. It looked fantastic on television, came across really well. There's obviously a lot more media coverage now. But from your opinion as a coach and with all your experience, the quality of basketball across the board, not just with Brunel, how how much improved is it this year and over the last couple of years? Yeah, I suppose, look, I, I, I came from the men's side of things, really. Uh, so I, I, I kind of was integrated about four years ago, I suppose. I took over the Brunel job. And I suppose, from my own point of view, you know, it took me a while to adapt uh, just to the pace of the game, I suppose, you know, and the physicality. But I have to say, I've been hugely impressed, uh, I think, this year especially. Uh, and again, I stand corrected, but I think the standard this year is very high. Uh you're going into every game, you know, you know you have a battle on your hands, you have to prepare differently for opponents, uh, the foreign players that are coming into the country this, this year and last year, I, I think are excellent, so they kind of bring on the, the Irish players. Uh, and look, as you, you might know yourself, it's a huge commitment. Uh, like we, we train three nights a week, so you can see the girls who want to be there are improving. Uh, and look, that's top-level basketball. Uh, in Ireland at the moment is flying with the women uh, who look all around the league you know you have Claire Amelia Del Thornton Aini McKenna Ed O'Reilly up the country they're, they're just brilliant Irish players at the moment and the standard is it's exciting to say the least and just finally Tim the hope is that this kind of improvement at club level will continue over the coming years do you want to see that then manifest itself at international level that a lot of players that are being playing at the top level of the misquoted league can do that on the international stage as well yeah I mean look the, the international team are, are flying at the moment but there's a lot of there's a lot of players 
you know, knocking at the door, you would think. Uh, I think there's one or two players on my team could be could be good enough to get on that team, you know. And when the when the Irish team is doing well, you know, I suppose everybody wants to. Everybody should have a goal to get onto that team. And look again, you go back to the likes of Del Thornton and all the girls who are on that team. You need to be doing work outside of, of the gym as well, you know. And uh, you can see that, that that girls are committed and focused. And as you said a while ago, I, I think the, the, the games are very exciting to watch, especially in the cup there. The women's games were just superb, you know. Indeed they were and look it's an exciting end to the Miss Quarterly Super League this year and Singleton Super Value Brunel are right in the mix we wish you all the best in the coming weeks Tim O'Halloran thanks very much uh, for taking the time to talk to us on the Big Red Bench and best of luck in the coming weeks No problem thanks for having me Joe thank you Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM Cork LGFA Senior Manager Shane Ronane and Vice Captain Melissa Duggan join me on the Big Red Bench to look back at last weekend's National League defeat to Meath and a preview of facing Dublin in Crow Park in their second National League outing this Saturday evening. Now Shane Ronane and the Cork Seniors uh, unfortunately got their National League campaign off to a losing start away to the All-Ireland Champions in Park Talton this past weekend with Mead um, edging Cork uh, in the, at the end of a very close game. We're delighted on the Big Red Bench to be joined by the vice captain and the, uh, the player that captained Cork on that occasion. That's Donnie's Melissa Duggan. Melissa, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for, uh, for I told you there'd be a lot of media requests when you got that vice captaincy. So here you go. You're, you're back on with us again. Um, let's not <laughs> let's not dwell too much on the Meath game because it's it's been spoken about and written about from your own point of view. Disappointing with the loss, but a lot of new young players getting a chance to play under Shane Ronan, getting a chance to see what the All-Ireland Champions are like and a lot of positives to take out of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I suppose it was disappointing with the result at the end. Um, it was a very tight and close game. The two goals, um, you know, really killed off the game, and I suppose a lack of concentration with us um, is something that we can improve on. But um, it's great to see so many subs being changed and so many young girls coming on. Um, and we had a few new starters um, that maybe not hadn't started in the league before. So it's great that um, Shane is giving every girl a chance. Um, you know, from one to thirty, um, you know, your place is not safe on the team. So that's what we want in the league. We want to develop a, a team um and give the new girls the opportunity to play um against senior teams. And they're gonna get that opportunity again on Saturday evening when they travel to nowhere else but Croke Park to take on Dublin. Now I know you've battled Dublin on many occasions over the last couple of years, some great games, especially last year's one uh, down in Parky Cueve in the National League. But for the young players again, Melissa, um, another learn another step um on the on the experience of learning what it is to be an intercounty footballer and no more difficult place to go than Croke Park and the Dubs. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, the dubs always put it up to us. Um, you know, they're such a physical team. Um, you know, going into tackles, you'll really feel it the next day. Um, they're so strong and down the middle. Um, so it will be a tough test for us, um, especially when they're playing in their home ground. Um, it's another long journey for the girls to come up. Um, so that will be another factor that they'll have to um, consider again. Um, so it will be another tough test for us um, but it's a great opportunity and it's something I suppose the young girls should um, hopefully um, be excited for and you know they should be um, hopping um, onto the field in Coke Park the next day um, and you know with fans now coming back um, it'll be a great atmosphere 
um, and it'd be a good test um, come championship for them. Yeah, you mentioned the atmosphere. The fact that the Dubs men's team take on Mayo immediately afterwards means you're means you're going you would have had a crowd there anyway, but you're going to have a huge crowd at the end of it, playing in front of a big crowd in that kind of an atmosphere, and then marking the likes of Quivo, Connor, and Hannah Turrell, who featured in Dublin's four seven to one four defeat of Waterford over the last weekend as well. As you said, big important learning curve for the young players. But the half back line that played against me the last day included yourself, Eric O'Shea, and uh, Laura O'Mahony, a player I know you know well from O'Donovan Ross. Good to see her back from injury and even better to see Eric O'Shea doing such a fantastic job on Vicky Wall that kind, those kind of performances must give you hope of you know putting up a, a real battle against the Dubs Yeah for sure you know we know what the Dubs bring to the table um, we know you know they're strong runners and um, the strong forwards that they have and yeah they might be missing a few players but we're missing a few players too but um, you know we're both adapting to different styles of play um, and it's great that uh, you know we have a still a bit of consistency through the team um, despite us missing the one Abbey girls so we have a mixture of both experience and youth for the next day um, um, which hopefully is something different that we can bring to the table um, and it's great to have Laura back um, I've marked her plenty of times in West Cork uh, championships with Donnie's and Skibbereen so um, it's great to be um, on the opposite wing to her and just to be um, going up and down and you know Laura always drives forward and she's a great tackler and everything so you know to have Laura back in the back line it's, um, it's great security to have Indeed it is. And just finally, Melissa, how much do you enjoy getting to play at Crow Park? It kind of you, you forget it sometimes when you're talking to intercounty players. It's almost that you take it for granted when you're a Cork player that you're eventually going to end up in Crow Park at least once every season. Such are the high standards of Cork LGFA. But from your own point of view, I would imagine it's an experience that never gets old. Um, no, you're dead right. Um, I love playing Crow Park. Um, you know, every time the the league or the championship dates and um, venues get fixed I always look out to see if we're in Copac or just the pitch you know the game is so fast and quick and you're up and down I just love um, the the whole pitch side of it and then the atmosphere that it brings when um, your fans and your friends and your family are all in the stadium um, it's just a different environment it's different to playing um in just another pitch or another stadium, um, it is a great uh, feeling when you're in those dressing rooms in Coke Park and running out onto the field. And then um, it's just a fantastic opportunity for everybody now um, on Saturday to get experience um, early on in the league um, to play in Coke Park. Indeed it will. And listen, the Big Red Bench wishes you and Shane Renan and all the players on the Cork Senior Panel all the best of luck. We'll be there with you in Crow Park reporting from the Cork and Dublin National League game on Saturday evening. Vice-Captain and Captain the last day, uh, Melissa Duggan, thanks for being on the Big Red Bench. Thank you so much. Um, okay, Shane Ronan, uh, you join us here on the Big Red Bench following the uh, defeat away to me today in the National League opener up in Park Talton. But can I put it to you? Uh, from Cork's point of view, defeat, yes, but an awful lot of positives to take out of the performance, first of all, and a lot of new younger players getting their chance um, coming on off the bench as well today. Yeah, look, we're disappointed, obviously, Joe. You know, you go to win every game, but um, a lot of positives to take out of it, and I don't think uh, defeat up here in Mead is going to define our season. We've got, we've got a lot of games to play yet, and a lot of months and a lot of work to get done before before the season is over, so look, we're disappointed, but I think, as you said, we got a lot of game time into you know players and you know, younger players there you know coming on Rachel Lee um, you know Shani Minor came on scored a great point I uh, was lucky for another one played very well when she went on Laura Manny is back today 
fairly. He played, you know, Kiermack uh, came off the bench, scored, scored a good point. Um, you know, Abion Manny came on. You know, look, we, a lot of subs went on and I suppose, look, we're very happy with a lot of what we did. But I think, you know, ultimately we didn't shoot enough in the second half, I think, especially in the first quarter of the second half. Um, we had a good few opportunities for shots and didn't take them. And I suppose, ultimately, I suppose that, that probably cost us. It was, a, it was a good strong winter and we, we didn't take the opportunity. I think even in the first half, in the first quarter, uh, there was a couple of opportunities there we should have taken. Um, you know, and I think that, that that's ultimately what cost us. We, we didn't score enough. Like, one eight isn't going to win you a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I suppose defensively, we were good. Two seven isn't bad. Um, you know, gave away a couple of, I think, you know, a couple of laps of concentration, gave away two goals there in a few minutes in the second half. Um, but otherwise, defensively, you know, you're talking, you're looking at very good. We kept, I think we did a very, very good job in Emma Duggan, very good job of Vicky Wall again. Um, gave away a few city frees, Jordan. I, I suppose that, that'll, that'll be disappointing in the first half. I think four or six points came in threes in the first half. And that would be something, you know, we, we, we suppose we've got to look at. Yeah, and the thing is, Shane, it's the first game out. And a lot of people tend to forget that. They just see the headline. But like the first game out, these kind of mistakes, they get, the players need to get them out of their system. And you mentioned your defence. You held the All-Ireland Champions to two points from open play. Now, the two goals were disappointing. But if you're holding the All-Ireland Champions on their home ground to two points from open play, that gives you an awful lot to work on ahead of the Dublin game. Yeah, look, we would have been very happy with our defensive work of training the last couple of weeks. Um, Joe, you know, our followers were, were finding it very difficult. And maybe that's, that maybe lead, led into why they weren't shooting today. There was a, maybe a lack of confidence. But I suppose, I think they need to realise that when they're playing, we're playing training games among ourselves, that the quality of our defenders is top class. And they're, you know, they, they just need to realise that and, like, you know, you know, still take confidence that they can take the shots in the games like they, so, look, we're, we're very happy with that. We defensively, you know, with, with what we did. Uh, as I said, we, you know, we need to sharpen up on the freeze, not, not give away so many. But I think look, there's, there's, there's a lot of positives. 2 7 isn't, isn't the big score conceded. You know, if you told me this morning we concede 2 7, I probably would expect it to win the game. Uh, but, it just, you know, we just, we just didn't shoot enough. And I think, you know, that, that's ultimately what cost us. The wind for people who are in Park Talton, I don't think it came across even on the live feed. Like it, it was a really strong wind, and it kind of I won't say it wrecked the game, but it certainly changed the the, the tactics and the layout of the game in the first half for me, and then fee in the second half. Is that fair? Yeah, look, I think uh, you know me conceded a lot of possession in the second half, so they stood off the kick out teams that. Whereas we went after the kick out the first half, and I thought we did a good, fairly good job in the mid kick out. We slowed it down a lot, and uh, we've been very happy with that. But, you know, ultimately, as I said, we didn't shoot enough in the second half. And um, I think, you know, I suppose I keep going back to the same thing. Is that if you're not going to shoot, you're not going to win games. And, uh, there was a strong win there. So we didn't make use of it. I think, you know, we have, we have a couple of players who were well able to shoot. And as I said, maybe it's a lack of confidence. Um, you know, we haven't done so That was only our third game, really, as a group together. Uh, so we've got a lot of, lot of work to do. But I think, you know, it's a work in progress. The season isn't going to be defined by today's results. No, that's very, very true. And I, I think another thing, from your point of view and from the management team's point of view, which will be a huge benefit, the number of young players that got exposed to the way Meath play today at senior level, the physicality, the, the pace of it and the step up. But the likes of Kira McCarthy, Rachel Leahy, I mean, uh, even like the Laura Manny coming back from injury, you'd Emma Cleary knocking in a goal and you'd Katie Quirk with three points and another forward scoring three points for you. That's all positives. And the benefit, Shane, that they get out of playing tough Real, uh, you know, not championship, but senior intercounty football against a team like Meath, that will really bring them on as the year goes on. Look, that's the time, sir. You know, we, we I said that earlier on that we, we, you know, the league, the league had to be used that way for us. Uh, if, you, if you won these games and you qualify for a latter stage, and look, we're not out of the jet, like, you know, we have to beat Dublin next week and then be Wark to get into it. But 
I, ultimately, the, the target with this league was to find players. And, like, you know, you've listed out a few younger players there who I suppose, you know, put their hand up today and know if they can back it up again next week and, you know, and, and against Watford. Then, then we know we've got a stronger panel going forward into the championship. And the championship is where we want to be, want to be getting ourselves right for. And if those players can back up what they did today, you know, and take on a small bit more, then that ultimately gives us a very strong panel for the championship. And finally, look, irrespective of how Dublin and Watford game goes this evening um, or, or over this weekend, the other game in your group, I mean, going to Dublin again next weekend, now you d- today you didn't have the more Abbey contingent, but whatever panel you go to Dublin with next weekend or whatever the outcome, the experience of playing the dubs up there, again, you can't buy that experience. You can't get that in training. You can't get that in club football. And you know that better than anyone. This again would be another learning experience, not just for the experienced players that are in your panel, but again, for those players that you're giving an opportunity to in the National League. Look, that's it exactly. You know, you're going into Crow Park. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be probably a big crowd in there by the time the second half starts. You know, because Dublin, Dublin men are playing Mayo afterwards and repeated last year's Ireland semi-final. So it's going to be a huge occasion. And I suppose, look, if the girls can stand up and are counted next weekend, regardless of the results, we're not looking at results all the time. We're looking at performances. Are they doing the things we want them to do? If they can stand up and be counted next weekend and prove that they, they can live in this environment, then I, I think we're, we're in a very good place going forward for the summer. Shame, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us on the Big Red Bench and we'll talk to you again next weekend ahead of the Dublin game. Cheers, man. Thanks very much, Joe. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork Camogie Senior Manager Matthew Toomey joined me on the Big Red Bench to preview this weekend's National Camogie League opener away to Clare. Also, I was at a very windy Castle Road last Sunday afternoon and spoke to Cork Minor Camogie Manager Jerry Roddice Captain Orla Mullins and two-goal hero Orla Cahalan following Cork's 2.15-05 All-Ireland Championship victory over Dublin. On the big red bench now, we are delighted to be joined by the Cork Senior Camogie Manager Matthew Toomey, who has been busily preparing his squad and panel ahead of their first um, Camogie National League game away to Clare uh, next Sunday. Matthew, you're very welcome back to the big red bench. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Uh, it's a while since we last spoke, but how have things been going for you and your management team and your players as you prepare for what is a, a tough opener? Yeah, um, things are going fine. Like we've been, I think we have about twenty-one sessions done at this stage. Um, very happy with the way things are going. Like we did a, a tough pre-season, and the players responded excellently to that. And um, no, we're very happy with everything where we are. Just kind of looking forward to getting a game under, but no, a competitive game to see where we're we're actually at. Like. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like any manager or management team, you need to see the players in action in in the cut and thrust of of, of a of a meaningful game. Um, you go to Clare uh, on Sunday on the twentieth, and you go probably to Cusick Park. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but this is a Clare team, uh, Matthew, that you know well. That only lost by six points to Kilkenny last year, and only lost by six points to Galway in the All Ireland Championship. They just missed out having beaten Westmead on a, on a place in the quarterfinals. They are always a t- a tough team to play against, and they'll have home advantage. So. You could, I mean, there's obviously other things um, as well involved. Davy Fitz and his first game for Cork, and I believe there's a, a family involvement in this match as well. Yeah, um, Davy's son is actually part of the management with Clare, so just adds more to the circus, I suppose, like that. But um, yeah, look, with Clare, like, any time we play them down through the years, they, they give you a ferocious battle. We're expecting nothing less to go up there. I suppose there's going to be with Davy going back up there, and we've another two lads involved in the management as well from Clare, so. That's going to bring an edge to it, but I suppose that's going to be the case nearly with every game we play this year. But um, going up there, like I suppose we're 
I don't know, as I said previously to you, I suppose we're, we're going to do, use the nucleus of what we had last year. Like, there's no reason to self-destruct it, but we have a lot of girls showing. So, like, we have options on the table for us. So, it's just a game like this. It's a tough game. It's going up the the, the queues of park, as you say, more than likely. So, it's a, it's a good eye-opener for us as well. But, like, we, you know, we know what's ahead of us. We're well prepared for us. Indeed you are. And just on your management team, look, Davey naturally was going to get a lot of attention and headlines outside of the Cork camp. But the other people you chose to be part of your management team, there's some very specific roles there. How have they settled in and how important are they to the future of Cork Mogi? Um, they're fantastic guys. Like, um, like I suppose from what we had from the last few years, uh, Teddy O'Donovan is our goalkeeping coach. Um I suppose every team I've ever been involved with, with Douglas and when I got involved with Cork, I, I dragged them in with me as well. Like he's he's just a class guy, um, great goalkeeping coach, great coach in general. But he's he's he, he like you know he knows when the time is to have a laugh. If the ten, things are tense there, he's he's great for that. But he's also fantastic, just tactically wise, just word in your ear and all that. So he's vital. We have another guy, Anthony O'Neill Neilser. Like he's the players love him. He's brilliant, you know. And he's he's another one of these guys. He doesn't say too much. When it comes to the hurling side of things, when he does, you'd listen to him. And then obviously, Niall Collins has been involved for the last 10 years as well. He's, you know, he's probably the brains of the operation. He's got two lads then with him, um, uh, Brian Keller and, and Conor Weir. They're great guys. Um, and the hurling side of things then, the man, or the, the, the coaching side of things, I should say, Brian O'Sullivan from the Bears, with John Manley from Middleton. And we also got a very interesting lady, Cleaner Sergeant. She's an ex Irish hockey player. Um, and her, her knowledge of sport and all this kind of stuff is just like she, she was on the car panel in 2018. But it's just her, she just brings new new stuff to us, which is fantastic. She's a great fresh air. Like, and yeah, so like, there's a couple of lads up in some care. James Hickey, as I say, Martin Collins, you can see Michael Collins is around the place. Like, very, very happy. It's, it's, like, as you know, when you set out um, organizing the management, it's very important that you get people, you know, that. Are on the same wavelength. Like we have a great crack. We know when to work hard. We, we we do the stuff together. We bounce off each other, which is great. So that's the thing that I've been extremely, extremely lucky. Like I'm, I'm delighted with it. And that's reflected. I mean, I haven't spoken to many of the players yet this year, but Amy Lee, your captain, touched upon it that it seems like a very happy camp at the moment. It's early days in the new year. The season hasn't really kicked in yet, so I take that. I take that point. But from your point of view, Matthew, having the management team settled in, everyone getting into routine. You said something like 21 training sessions already. Is there a good buzz around the camp? And is like this is a high, this is elite level, Camogie players. Uh, as you know, these players, these players drive a lot of things because they're so determined to get back to an All Ireland final and to atone for last year. But from your own point of view and your management team's point of view, it sounds like a happy camp. Is it? And how how much um, how much are the players driving Ian? You know, each training session to improve. Yeah, I, I suppose I've, I've I've said this on the record before, like. Like when I came in coaching the lads, I, I have to be honest with myself. I learn more off them than they learned off me, and and th- that has always been the case. Yes, they certainly drive it on. Like obviously we've like the 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 coaches there, they're they're excellent and they push the players. Like, but no matter what they give the players, they just mop it up. There's no issue. Um, it is very very important for all that kind of you know for the cohesion between us all. But like. Even though we have a great management and great team, it doesn't guarantee us anything. Like we just have to go and perform now. Like there's been a lot of hard work being done, but we have to perform now. That's that's the key. And like it's, it's the performance we're looking for um, against Clare is is huge for us. It's, it's it's like we're we're from Cork. We demand it. That's what we expect from the players. Like so, and they're the same. 
they 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 like with training sessions they demand demand the best off us as well, which is it's it's a great way to have it. Like it certainly sounds like, and I'm looking forward to seeing the results of all of that. And um, from your point of view as the manager, you can train, you can prepare, you can lay down the plans, but really, I would imagine Matthew as a manager and as a coach getting to an actual game, a competitive game, you'll be you'll be delighted just to get to that point with everything that's gone on before with a new management team coming in, all the headlines, playing Camogie and winning Camogie is what you are all about yourself. Um, you must be looking forward, aside from all the, the news around your squad, you yourself must be looking forward just to getting out on that sideline and testing yourselves against Clare. Yeah, certainly, like, because I suppose, like, you know, to get someone the calibre of coach like Davey Fitz involved with us to help us out, is huge, but there is an element of a, a kind of a, a media circus with it as well, and and, and it's like we probably more people watching us training now than we had in the national league last year. You know that there's an element of that, but like you have to take the pros with the cons. Um, yeah, we, like, so there was an awful lot of pressure, I suppose, that kind of thing on me then because of all this like stuff was going on. We were trying to kind of keep as low key as we possibly could, but obviously that didn't happen. But like we're just looking forward to get out in the field. Um, that's what we all want to do. That's what the, the players, the management, the whole lot of us, the county board. That's why we want to be out in the field and see where we're at. And like we're hoping to have a, a successful year. But you know, like we 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 can only go game by game. Players is is, is a very ferocious opposition on, on Sunday, and we know that. And and that's our main course. We're not we're not thinking about anything else after that. Like, but my side of things, yeah, just to, just to get out in the field. You no, know, it's fantastic just to see where we're at. And just finally, Matthew, I mean, obviously the National League, once it's, it's kicked off, we've already had Kilkenny beating Limerick in your group by eight points. There are two teams that you're going to be facing shortly after. I know you're not looking at them now and you're focused on Clare, but is there a goal in your mind um, for this year's National League campaign? Are you looking to blood players or are you looking to kick on and go with a strong team or do you know at this stage? Um, well, I suppose it's, 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 a, it's a happy medium we're trying to get. Like, yeah, of course, we want to blood in players because, you know, there's no point having those kind of players there, unless we do have a look at them, like we asked for three challenge matches, I think it was, and there's some of them after holding the hand up that they need a place. And yeah, but like our, our goal, yeah, there, there is a happy medium, but we want to win this league, like as simple as that. Very good, and we wish you all the best in that. It begins next Sunday, probably in Cusick Park, but definitely away in Clare on the 20th of February. Cork beginning their Group 2 National Camogie Association League campaign. They'll be following that up with two home games against Limerick and Kilkenny, and we will be with them here on the Big Red Bench before, during and after each of those games. Matthew, uh, thanks very much for your time again as ever, and everybody here on the Big Red Bench wishes you well in your first competitive match. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for everything. Okay, Jerry Wallace, uh, Cork Minor Camogie Manager, comprehensive victory over Dublin today. You came here to do a job, you got the job done. How happy are you with the performance? Very, very happy, Joe. I, I felt after last Sunday in Galway we had some things to build on and to work on. And I suppose the biggest thing we took out of last Sunday was that we needed to try and improve our scoring ratio. And fair play to the girls in industry conditions. Very difficult under full conditions here this, this afternoon. Like we're after getting 2.15, and uh, it's a great day as well. So it is, we've now qualified for the All Ireland, qualified in our semi-final yeah. so like we, we, we set out to do what we did and we've done it now just so we're very very happy like him um, you also utilised your substitute bent very effectively today I mean you want to give girls game time as often as you possibly can and this is a good situation to put them into how happy are you with the people that came off the bench I was delighted I was delighted yeah, with Tia Coleman she came in at right half back we found Tia in the trials so it was a good process there back in December and November um, she, she plays her camogie with St Fanahan's up above the Mitchellstown area there we got the girl Chloe Lane into goals to have a look at her today there and like we took a risk I suppose by using our five subs you know 10 minutes 
this into the second half. But we're going to play Wexford now next Sunday in a challenge match in the WIT. So I can guarantee all the girls that are on the panel that didn't play here today or didn't participate in Galway will play next Sunday. It'll be there, there to see. Can we build and strengthen the panel for the two challenges that could be ahead of us, like the semi-final of an All-Ireland quarter-final, hopefully a final again, like you know. Yeah, that gap we spoke about before in the big red bench. It is a bit of a it is a bit of a hindrance because you play your two matches and you know one after the other. Then you've got to wait for Dublin to play uh, Galway, and now you've got to find other matches to play. But look, I mean, you are where you want to be but it would be better I would imagine from a management point of view if you had more regular games coming into it well it would Jerry yeah and I suppose in the last the number, number of years that I've been involved it was a group of four so this year it's just a group of three so we always had a third game uh, a third championship game this year we don't so we've got to go with it now and look we're, we're experienced enough long enough at it now so we have to know that we'll have to build our momentum again slowly but surely the girls are going to get the week off now I'm going to give them all the week off we all need a rest management everyone needs the week off and our starting point for the All-Ireland semi-final quarter-final is against Wexford on next Sunday in a challenge match down in the WIT we'll be looking forward to that Jerry so once again yeah. thanks, thanks yeah. and look you're in a good place I'm going to let you go and one last thing I was going to say to you you've got a lot of players on the uh, on your forward line that can get go- scores but Orla Callan popped up today with two very impressive goals yeah Orla, Orla did the work last week I, I think I complimented her earlier in one of my interviews with you earlier in the week like Orla did fierce work in Galway last week when we were in a right battle eight points to six this week she expressed herself more she stood up to what that, that question I asked them in the dressing room before the match I said it was the one thing we could only build and we can't we couldn't change the way we wanted to play we couldn't work on the hooking the blocking the flicking the defence but what we could work on was getting more scores and today Orla Cahalan showed her class like the goal she got in the first half there Jerk was a fabulous cracker but I go back again to our two our full back and our centre back they're two great women for Camogie as well I'd be, I would say looking back on the 215 when I started in 218 I had this group that won the first All-Ireland that minor for Cork I can tell you this group are very much like that group Jar. there's a characters in this group that are very much like that group there are girls I think that are going to be involved with Cork for a long time so there is so okay. upwards and onwards good stuff congratulations thanks very much now I'm here with two goal hero Orla Cahalan uh, who helped Cork minors uh, to a big victory 215 to 5 points in today's test Ireland group, champ- uh, group championship here at Castle Road Orla first of all congratulations thank you um, a good win for Cork today you got two goals but um, it was a real team effort it looks like you have a really good team and the, the squad everybody seems to be getting along quite well yeah definitely um, Jerry definitely brings us all close together in training we do a lot of team bonding drills at training and it shows in our playing how tough was it out there today I know the scoreline you were, it was a good win for you but the pitch conditions at Dublin were pretty tough yeah exactly they the conditions were bad but we were kind of used to it now since last weekend in Galway the conditions are the same so I feel that gave us the edge over them and it helped because Galway really put it up to you last week did they? yeah yeah the score showed it we were it was nick and tuck for the whole game so. um, this Cork minor team I mean it's really uh, there's a lot of depth to it there's a lot of good players coming off the bench there like you have to be on your toes I'd imagine in training and in matches to keep your place yeah there's and a lot of them are young as well so they have next year as well so it's just it's brilliant the players coming up from under 14 under 16 and definitely coming through to minor and just finally are you enjoying the whole experience I mean it's a lot a lot of time that goes into this as, as a Cork Camogie minor player but you seem to be enjoying it and you're knocking in the goals so things are going well at the moment for you yeah I'm definitely enjoying it the Jerry makes Jerry and Mike both make the training very fun and enjoyable so I'm good so, yeah excellent the best of luck in the all Ireland quarterfinals thank you now I'm here with Sarsfield and Cork minor Camogie captain Orla Mullins following Cork's 2.15 to 5 points victory over Dublin Orla first of all congratulations on the win thank you Jerry thank you very much um, 
a good win in the end, but how hard was it out in that pitch today? It was quite a soft pitch, and Dublin really kind of put it up to you there in the first half. Yeah, the pitch, it wasn't in great conditions. It was hard to work on, but look, with all the training we've been doing, we've, we fought through it and we did our best, and the score proves it today, and we've been working hard all week, so yeah. Yeah, and you're coming off a big win as well up in Galway. That was a really tough game, so two wins on, on the bounce. Must be delighted with that. Yeah, that's, yeah it's a great, great achievement by us. We've been training hard, so we've earned it very well. I just hope now we can keep going with it and keep winning and keep our success going. Lovely honour for you and for your club to be captain this year. Must be delighted. Yeah, it is it is an honour. <laughs> Let's laugh now, but yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving my family here supporting me as well, so yeah. Now you've a bit of a gap uh, to the semi-finals or the quarter-finals. Um, what's next for you? Uh, just to train hard, keep the head down, keep focused. Remember, it's, we don't have it one now. We still have to get through all the other matches and keep on top. And you must be delighted overall though with the panel this year. It looks like a good bunch and you're, you're enjoying your time with Jerry Wallace. Yeah, it's a great it's a great team all together. We're a great unit working well together. And yeah, we're a fab bunch of girls. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much, Orla. Thank you. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. AFLW expert and coach to the stars Mike Curran is back with us on the Big Red Bench for another weekly review and analysis of how our Irish players fared in the latest round of Australian Roots football. Now, it's one of my favourite times of the week because it's our new Australian Football League Women's Rules segment, uh, weekly segment with uh, expert to the stars and, and expert analysis from Mike Curran. Mike, you're very welcome back again here to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Thanks, you're very well. Another hectic weekend. Yes, I'm glad you said that before I got to it. Um, every week, the Irish players just keep coming to the top of the headlines. They keep putting in the performances. So let's get straight into it. I, I'm going to do a quick roundup of the results from round six. And last Friday, um, Geelong Cats lost to the Gold Coast by 49 points to 38. On Saturday, the Tigers lost at home to North Melbourne, 37-18. Melbourne um, put in a serious hammering on the GWS Giants, which we'll talk about, 44-7. to And then, of course, the Dockers um, flying it at the moment, and they got a, a big win, 51-9 to over Carlton. On Sunday, though, um, and this was the day of the big results, the West Coast Eagles beaten at home by Collingwood, 46-22. Uh, uh, to And the big one, the Adelaide Crows losing 48-49 to the Western Bulldogs by a single point. And also last Sunday, uh, St Kilda going down uh, 31-26 to the Lions. Um, it's been a hectic week, but there's really only one place to start, Mike, and that is one of the shocks of the year. Adelaide getting beaten by the Bulldogs. Where did this come from? This was definitely one of the shocks of the year, for sure, Ger. And look, we had Ailish Constantine in action for the Crows again. She had a slightly quieter game this weekend round, playing at half hour, but it definitely wasn't a quiet game overall. Uh, the Bulldogs pulled off the result of the year here against the previously unbeaten Adelaide Crows. And it really, I suppose, it came down to a combination of two things. They got three goals in the first five minutes, so they got a really strong start on the Crows. And the Adelaide were going to fight back, and they did fight back, and they came back into it. And the scramble at the end of the game was phenomenal. It's already been muted as one of the classic AFLW games of all time. So anybody that has the chance, you should really watch the last three minutes of this match where there was literally never seen before. There was 32 players within 20 metres of the Bulldogs' goal as they battled to hang on to a one-point lead. It had all the drama. Aaron, Aaron Phillips, the star forward, took a big mark but then missed her shot. A goal to win it or behind would have drawn it. The ball dropped. She had more um, hectic defending by the Bulldogs, including... Uh, a diving smother on a, on a snapshot by Kirsty Lamb, and they just 
held on uh, to the final siren for a famous win for them to get over the Adelaide Coast by one point. Uh, and as you said, definitely the shock of the year so far. Yeah, indeed. One of the one of the games of the season, if not the last couple of seasons there, my great excitement as ever. Now let's move on because the Brisbane Lions, as I mentioned earlier, had a 31-26 win over St Kilda and the Lions wearing a commemorative kit. Yes, of course. Brisbane Lions was famously formed in 1996, Gerard, when they became the first club ever as a result of a merger between two teams and that was to relocate as the club was in danger of extension and the rest is history I suppose the Lions this weekend wearing the famous Fitzroy Lions jersey a memory of that I suppose of that history so it was a new look for the Lions but pretty much the same result as they powered on to another win and another thing Orlo Dwyer was brilliant again this round of course she got on the board again with a score uh, but she had a shot just hit, hit off the post if the ball hits the main goalpost in AFLW, that counts as one point. So she was very unlucky not to get the goal there. But again, 17 disposals. Um, she had three tackles. Unbelievable performance from her. She's definitely among the best on ground. Likely to get the MVP for Lions again this weekend. Um, she also picked up seven coaches' votes. And in the overall AFLW competition, um, Orla Dwyer is now in 12th position with 25 votes for that AFL. Coaches Association Champion Player of the Year. So another another brilliant weekend for Orla, as we have grown to expect at this stage. Yes, and in keeping with big powerful wins, Melbourne forty four points on the uh, on the Giants was a was a serious statement of intent by them, Mike. Yeah, this was a big uh, big win for Melbourne, a big loss for the Giants. It was their biggest loss um, to date, I think, in AFLW. Um, really tough time, I suppose, for the Giants if you were to look at it from their perspective. They've played six games. Five of them have been away from home. They missed out the previous round due to 19 other players being out with COVID. So they're having a hard time of it. And they came up against Melbourne Demons in Casey Field. And as we said last week, they haven't lost their now uh, running 10 or 11 games at this stage. So that's how it transpired. Um, we had big performances for Melbourne from Sinead Goldrick again, who was brilliant off half-back. 11 disposals this time, 7 kicks five tackles. Um, we're seeing the same thing week in, week out from her now. She's a brilliant chase down player, a brilliant pressure player and she launches many of Melbourne's attacks off that half-back position. It was brilliant to see Lauren McGee back in again. Her third start, her third win and a solid performance from her as well with seven disposals. So, delighted to see Lauren get game time there. And on the flip side to the Giants, I suppose you had Cora Staunton and Breed Stack and to put it in perspective, this will be the first game this season that Cora hasn't scored um, there wasn't much you could have done about it on the day the Giants were held to a scoreline of 1-1-7 points so they'll be looking to get back home and get some home fixtures but unfortunately next weekend they are back in Sydney but who's coming to town except Adelaide Crows and, and I'm expecting a big backlash, backlash from them after their loss as well so I feel it's not going to get any easier for Giants this weekend but hopefully over the next couple of weeks yeah, it doesn't really. The, the 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 quality of the teams at the top of the ladder, like when you're just talking about it there, the Giants coming off that big loss, and now they've got to face the Adelaide Crows looking to rebound. It's it's certainly not going to be easy. Two other, two other Irish players, Mike, that made some good headlines this week were Sarah Rowe and Neave Kelly as Collingwood got over the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, look, at it was a return to winning ways for Collingwood after two losses in a row. They've got back to a win. Um, the Eagles were back home up in Perth in Miller Resources Park. They put up a brave fight um, but Collingwood got over for a win mainly due to a four goal burst in the third quarter for the Eagles Neve Kelly was brilliant again this weekend she's really coming into a rich vein of form across the last couple of weeks she scored a goal against again this weekend this is her second goal in two games 16 disposals for her 14 kicks 
four marks, two tackles. So she was without doubt amongst the Eagles' best on ground. On the flip side, then, you, of course, you had Sarah Rowe, who was equally in a rich vein of form. Uh, 21 disposals again for her. She's doing brilliant. She picked up a coach's vote in the AFL Coaches Association Player of the Year as well. Um, so she's maintaining a, a savage run of form through the centre there for Collingwood. And also, you had Ashton Sheridan, who was steady again this weekend, eight disposals. No more goals for her in the last couple of weeks, but she's still putting a lot of effort and forward pressure in up front for Collingwood. Good stuff. Um, another week and another win for Fremantle. They stay top of the ladder and they look, they're they looking increasingly um, stronger and stronger as the weeks go on. Um, but from, from an Irish point of view, um, Anya Toig, again, showing up excellently in that particular match. She was brilliant, yes. Of course, Fremantle also back home for the first time in a while. They've been on the road for over three weeks. Uh, they actually have a documentary, which is well worth having a look, 23 nights of fight. They're back home. They've got a home win, um, as you say, against Carlton and a big win, 7-9 to 1-3. Anya Tai was very impressive again uh, on that half-back, 14 disposals. Six marks is probably the, one of the most notable statistics. So she's just soaking up all the ball that comes into that half-back line and launching Fremantle back into attack. She also got five coaches this weekend, which is very impressive. And she actually now has picked up AFLCA coaches votes three rounds in a row, three rounds in a row, which has never been done before by an Irish player. Wow. So absolutely flying it. Good stuff. And let's hope Arnie can keep that going. Um, Geelong lost to the Gold Coast, Mike, but Rachel Kearns uh, made, some, uh, made some highlight real moments in that particular outing. She did. And of course, Rachel and Geelong picked up their first win last weekend against West Coast Eagles. So it was delighted for her to, to get her first win, win on the board. Uh, this was another close game. Geelong and Gold Coast, that was the only game Geelong won last year was the picture against Gold Coast Suns. And that, would you believe, was in a, a wooden spoon decider at the end of the season. So both those teams' fortunes have turned around. But on this occasion, it was the Suns who got up to the win. And that's three wins for them now. So Geelong still have that single win. But as you mentioned, it's Rachel Cairns. Like she had only four disposals this weekend. But if you look, there's probably two or three highlights from that. So just that just shows how effective she's being. One of them included using some of her soccer skills there from her Galway United days where she soccered the ball through and that resulted in a goal. She's taking strong marks. She's delivering strong kicks into the forwards and she's already amassing a highlight reel. We're only a few rounds into the season. She goes hard at the ball. She goes hard at her opponent and the Aussies are starting to love her and she's doing amazing. Good stuff. Um, this particular season, Mike, just to finish up with, when we look at the ladder, Fremantle at the top on 24 points, then you've got the Crows, Melbourne on 20, and the Kangaroos on a bit of a run at the moment. They've won four on the trot now. They're on 20 points as well, followed up by the Brisbane Lions and Collingwood on 16 apiece. Fremantle are obviously the team to catch, um, but of the chasing pack, are Adelaide and Melbourne the most likely to face Fremantle, probably at the business end of the season, or is it too early to tell? It's early days, yes, I I think they'll definitely be there and I don't think North Melbourne will be too far out to make the either and possibly Collingwood. So it'll be it should be within those six teams, I suppose. Interestingly this week, prior to the shock of the year game, a, a former coach in AFLW was just highlighting that some of the games between the top teams and the bottom teams were, were leading to very one sided scores, I suppose similar to what we saw there with Melbourne versus Giants and Female mm-hmm. versus Harrison. And he was making an argument that maybe the AFLW should look at a redraft down the line when the new teams come in. But I suppose the Adelaide um, versus Bulldogs game was the antidote to that, which shows that on any given day, any team can beat another team if they get their tactics right. 
and if things go in their favour. So there is definitely a long way to go. It's the longest season so far with 10. We're coming into round seven next again, so there'll be another three or four games before that final six. But that's where everyone wants to get to. The main thing here is get to the final six positions, then you're in with a shout for the finals. And then finals is a whole other ball game. Anything, anything can happen in that scenario. Anybody can win on any given weekend. So that level of excitement will always be there. But I think you've named the four runners there and it's hard to see anybody getting up over them. It's getting exciting. I know it's a long way off, like you said, but every week there's some always an Irish story and some fantastic matches and results. Um, AFLW, as ever, uh, bring us loads of headlines and lots of good news. Mike, as ever, thank you very much for your expert analysis and we will talk again next week. We will here, and next week's going to be a tough one for us to decipher because it gets confusing with the fixture long, long match. Tonight we have a round 11 game, then we have all the regular round 7 games across the weekend, and then we have a round 3 game on Tuesday and a round 5 game on Wednesday. So I don't know how we're going to figure that out, but we get through it next week for sure. <laughs> I have no doubt that your expert analysis will help us through it. <laughs> so thanks a million, Mike. And listen, I'm looking forward to next week already. It sounds like a bumper week. Thanks again for your time. No problem. Thanks, Mel. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back on the Big Red Bench for another review of the past week's Women's Rugby International and Munster Provincial headlines. It's that time of the week again on the Women in Sport podcast here on the Big Red Bench where we get to speak to Wendy Keenan about all the things that have been happening in Munster Women's Rugby at international and at local level. Wendy, um, I, I, I was thinking there might be a quiet week. Maybe there'll be one quiet week when it came to Munster Women's Rugby when we started this off. That's not the case, is it? No, still another very busy week, um, you know, both in the adult game and, and in the underage game. But look, I mean, that's great and we're delighted to, to be so busy. Yes, and it's brilliant to see so many games, as you said, going on across across the board. Let's get into it because in the Division 1 Divisional Cup, there was a big result for West Cork Club Skibreen um, against Shannon, a Division 2 team taking on a Division 1 team. Absolutely. And last week I mentioned I'd expect Skibbereen would move to Division 1 next season. And yesterday they defeated Shannon, a, a Division 1 club, like you mentioned, 15 nil away from home in the Divisional um, Cup. Superb result for them. Uh, Skibbereen had a fantastic performance. They had a superb defence and took their attacking opportunities very well, resulting in tries from Kate O'Sullivan and Avril Condal. Um, their number eight, Shannon Stout, put in a phenomenal workload around the the pitch, linking very well with their number nine, Case O'Sullivan. And another mention to their number 10, Emma Connolly. She had an excellent kicking game. Emma uh, was a key player um, before COVID on the winning uh, under-18 interprovincial team. So it's, it's wonderful to see her, you know, having such a, maintaining her performance, I suppose, again. But a special mention has to go to their forwards just for a collective performance. They had, they had a wonderful game yesterday. And Skibbereen now awaits the winners um, of the opposite semi-final between Tipperary and Kerry. And that match will go ahead this weekend. But I suppose a special mention to their coaches. They'll be extremely proud of their team as they build towards what I think they'll be in Division 1 next next season. Excellent stuff. That's a fantastic result for a club that's been very progressive at underage level and off the pitch as well. So good, good on them. And commiserations yeah. to Shannon, a fantastic name in rugby for a long, long time. And I'm sure they, they still have Division 1 to, to consider. Um, speaking of uh, the various divisions, ba- uh, two clubs from Munster Clubs, UL Bohemians and Ballincollig suffered disappointing defeats. 
Um, yes, so UL Bowls um, were beaten by Railway Union. Railway Union have a, a very strong squad this season and um, have been playing very well. So um, they'll, that sees UL Bowls move out of um, the top two position. And the same with Ballancolic, unfortunately. They were defeated by Setonians, a very strong Setonians to- uh, team that have, I suppose, gained momentum over the past couple of weeks with their performances. Um, Ballancolic were missing one of their, their key centres, a very experienced player. But they still have had a, a wonderful season with five um, you know, wins so far in, in their first year playing in the AIL. Excellent stuff, and there again, two teams much like uh, Shannon that that are capable of bouncing back. Wendy, um, that's the adult side of things. At under sixteen and under eighteen level, a lot of cup action and a lot of matches coming up this weekend as well. Yes, so as we start with under sixteen, Ballincollig had a hard fought battle um, with the Carrigan Shore Thurless amalgamation. The two teams couldn't be separated. With the final score, and um, was uh, twenty four all, both scoring four tries apiece. So a great battle there um, with Ballincollig taking a home uh, advantage for the next round of the Cup. But I want to mention the Development Cup as well where Skibbereen were playing Bantry Bay. Um, Skibbereen scored six tries to Bantry Bay, three tries, a wonderful match resulting in, in nine tries being scored. And key players for Skibbereen are uh, Lucy Cronin and Sean O'Driscoll who are both involved in Munster's regional development programme. So uh, a local battle there. This weekend, then we move to the knockout stages and just mention as well two local ma- matches that will be taking place will be the Ballincollig versus uh, Dolphin Yall Middleton Malgamation and the second one, uh, Clonakilty versus that Carrigan Shore Thurless game coming off that, that battle with Ballincollig. So they'll be interesting fixtures for the at the under 16 level for the weekend ahead. Excellent stuff. Oh, sorry, you were going to mention the under 18s as well. I was, yeah, yeah. So Clonakilty had a, a strong win over Ballincollig at the weekend and uh, coming out victorious 32-10. And surprisingly, Ballina Killaloo were defeated by Tralee and that was following Ballina Killaloo's strong performance that we spoke about last week yes. where they secured the league league title. Now, they only lose home advantage for the next round, So, um, but it, it is still a surprising um, result. So, um Next weekend, then you'll see Clonakilty will host that Dolphin Yall Middleton amalgamation. Um, so, yeah, so a few exciting matches now at a local level here um, in Munster next weekend. Good stuff. And also, um, we want to mention two big matches in the Division 2, as you were saying Dolphin Bantry Bay and Skibbereen and UL Bowes. Yeah, two very exciting matches there now taking place um, next weekend. So Skibbereen will be on the back of their win and I'm sure they'll be on a complete high having beaten Shannon. So I'm sure they'll go. They'll be looking to, to welcome UL Bowles down there and put in another strong performance. And then you have the derby between Dolphin and Bantry Bay, another exciting match with a lot of developing players on both those sides. So yeah, so lots of rugby next weekend. There is lots of rugby, that's what we're saying. It's just, it's, it's yeah. great to see it. It's getting really bo- coming to the boil now nicely, both the adult and the underage yeah. cups. And it's brilliant to see so many teams still involved. Now, something that is coming up that you wanted to give a mention to is something called Give It a Try. Um, what is this program about and uh, what information do you have for us? Okay, so the IRFU offer the Canterbury Give It a Try program to clubs. Um, I suppose it's a, it's a six week or eight week coaching program, you know, to welcome young girls into the club. And the top point is to come and give rugby a try in, a, in our club. So it's wonderful to report that there have been 92 applications nationwide. But to our delight in Munster, we have 34 clubs applying to offer the program. 
and that includes nine new clubs and within that nine I'm delighted to say that we're including six Cork clubs so those nine new clubs include like Castle Island, Douglas, Kentark, Mallow, Middleton, Muskery, Newport, Sunday's Well and Young Munster so it just shows you the growth of the game when these clubs are looking to expand into the girls um, you know section uh, uh, and offer this this exciting programme. Brilliant stuff and we're going to keep an eye on that and that's fantastic as you said to see 34 clubs coming from Munster. It's a real ringing endorsement, Wendy, of the work that's been done at ground level. Uh, absolutely and you know full credit to our, our two women's development officers and our two assistant officers they're doing such Trojan work on the ground um, you know in Munster we have a geographical challenge as we say you know what I mean with the size of the province and um, they go to every corner of the province and you can see that now with the with the 34 clubs applying for the for the programme right. so um, it's fantastic to see and we'll see another big blitz taking place in Ballancolligore FC now in the coming week um, when we expect huge numbers again at that. And finally uh, as if the domestic game wasn't bubbling along nicely we have uh, very very shortly the women's Six Nations will be upon us and you've news of tickets. Yeah, delighted. Now the tickets went on sale um, this morning and in Musgrave Park will be the venue for the Ireland v Italy game on Sunday the, the 10th of April at 5pm. And just I suppose to let clubs know that if they are looking to do that group booking, the group booking would be 20 or more um, children attending, they should contact tickets at munsterrugby.ie and also there's bus subsidies available directly from the IRFU for those clubs that are travelling Um you know, with, with the girls. So um, just a little bit of piece of information for them. And I know that was supposed to be my last piece, Ger, but I just want to give a quick mention out to uh, another match, two mm-hmm. matches that are taking place in Musgrave Park next Tuesday. Um, so during the midterm, um, we're able to run our, our development programmes. So there's a trial match taking place between the North and the South at under 16 and under 18 um, in Musgrave Park next Tuesday. The under 18s following that win will we'll have camp on Thursday before they take on Connacht in the match. Well, if you'd like to say it's a friendly match the following weekend, we know that no matches are really friendly. <laughs> Wendy, as ever, there's so much happening. It's fantastic to see it um, and it's fantastic to see so much action at, at domestic level uh, at provincial level now at international level as well with women's rugby thanks once again for coming on and giving us uh, the update and everything that's happening and we will talk to you again next week okay thank you very much Derek. that's it for another big red bench women in sport podcast remember to subscribe to the big red bench on spotify or apple podcasts you can also listen online at redextra.ie don't forget to tune in to the big red bench with rory o'hagan colm o'sullivan and valerie wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow The Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.